This part show is pleased to bring you Whiskey Westerns on Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the Old West. Whiskey to motivate. Westerns to inspire. Get it. Play it. Drink it. Hello, my name is Mike King, and we would like to welcome you to Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. My name is Brad Smalley, and tonight we're going to talk about one of the legends of Dodge City. And like always, we're going to drink a little whiskey. But I have a question before we get started. What's that? You're doing a whiskey and westerns without a hat. How does that come about? That is a little abnormal for me, I admit. Yeah. Yeah, well, there, there's a story behind that. Uh, I had a hat. Same one I'm usually wearing. Mm-hmm. It's a good-looking hat. Got a nice brim well, around it. It's been my hat for a yeah. number of years Brown now. top, but, I think. Uh, a couple days ago, Saturday, I was outside. It's gardening season mm-hmm. now, and I'm, I'm actually making some tomato cages. And what I've got are these 20-foot cattle panels, and I cut them into thirds, and I roll them up and, and kind of tie them off, and they make the best tomato cages in the world. They really do. Drive a stake through them. They're solid. They're not going anywhere. Except those things don't roll real easy. They're heavy gauge wire. They're pretty stiff. And I'm not trying to do this by myself, getting the curvature in it and, and trying to hold it tight together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I can take that prong that I cut off and bend it over around, you know, and right. it's, it's all I can do to hang on to these. And mm-hmm. I've got about seven of them mm-hmm. already, and there's, my hands are jello by this point. I just got nothing left on my knuckle. Trying to hold it together, trying to get this one last one done. So what, Bend that prong over. Are you telling me you got your hat on at this time? Well, yeah, of course I did. Oh, okay. When, right. when do I not? Yeah, that's true. I'm you outside, it's sunshine, so okay. oh, yeah. And you're doing a tomato? I'm cage? making tomato cages out of heavy gauge cattle panels. I mean, okay. So, okay. And I'm trying to bend that prong over to hold it tight, right? So I can work on the rest of them. And I just I, my hand let go, and it sprung open, and that prong that I had cut mm-hmm. was pretty sharp. And as it sprung open, it caught the brim of my hat and cut a two-inch gash right through the front of the brim. I don't see any band-aids. If I'd have been leaning six inches further forward, I might have lost an eye or a part Ooh, of my nose. Boy, so, that's a close call. So I apologize You're to very, you folks. I, I got to go hatless. Well, it, it would have been, I think, really appropriate to wear your hat tonight and show the split hat. Well, I'll have to bring up next time. Next I'll, time I'll, bring it in. I'll, I'll show you how close I came to being eyeless instead of hatless. Well, we're sure glad you're, you're safe and you're with us. Let's talk a little bit about our whiskey for the evening. We got a special one. Oh, yeah? Tonight. Now, okay. For those of you who, who follow the whiskey industry, uh, if any of you are, and, and you should, because it's a fascinating world. Uh, every every year there are awards and, and things that come out, and this year, uh, this particular bottle was voted by those who know the most about things, which we're we're not one. We just reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. This is the best whiskey in the world, and how do you know it's the best whiskey in the world? Well, because they tried them all. Oh, 
And, okay. and the, you can, all distilleries, they can submit uh, different whiskeys. Mm -hmm. uh, this particular one, the Henry McKenna, uh, comes from the Heaven Hill Distillery, all right. which consistently puts out some award winners. They've got some fantastic whiskeys coming out of there. And the Henry McKenna, bottled in bond, all right. 10 year old whiskey, as of this year, okay. uh, was voted the best whiskey in the world. At best least to, at least the civilized world. I don't, maybe the uncivilized world doesn't drink whiskey. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So tell us a little bit about this whiskey, or should we do a little whiskey test now? Well, what we're talking about, we might as well give it a, give it a pour. Of course, okay. we. Uh, I'm excited to have a little. We, we took an so. advanced screening. We did. We did. We did. That's why we're. Talk you off a little more there. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Okay. Mm. Boy. Now, this is, uh, as I said, bottle and bond. Uh, bourbon whiskey, and it, I guess I should explain bottle and bond. But a lot of people probably don't know what that means. I have no idea what in bottle the, and bond is unless it's one of those James Bond movies. It's got nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. Right. In over the years, the the whiskey industry, as it was really starting to come into its own, there was a lot of, shall I say, nefarious uh, business practices going on in the in early days throughout the the 19th uh, century mostly and in the the 1890s i think 1897 uh the bottle and bond act was passed which which stipulated uh, <laughs> that's some good history i have no idea it, it stipulated uh, certain regulations uh for whiskey okay uh to be bottle and bond today you have to have uh, your whiskey has to come from one distillery okay. which eliminates blending there can be no blending uh, in a bottle and bond uh, it must come from a single blending season okay As so, it, so right. this being 10 years old uh, this would have had to have been uh, or distilling season rather not blending season okay uh, this would have had to have been distilled in its entirety this is 2019, so okay. 2009. Gotcha. Is the year this had to be distilled, and it can so be. We're talking no, a little bit of history here. Absolutely, it can be no less than four years old. Okay. Which also makes it a straight bourbon whiskey. It's just gotcha. some of those legal terminologies that you find on on I bourbon labels. I didn't know any of that. This went all the way. Uh, it's aged ten years, minimum of four. This is aged ten years, and it also has to be bottled at no less than 100 proof. Okay, Meaning, that's part of that bond. Right. At, that's all. To, be to meet the legal the legal definition of bottle and bond, single distillery, single distilling season, no less than four years old and not less than 100 proof. Wow. Which makes it 50% alcohol by volume. Yeah. And yeah. I think this might be the highest proof whiskey that we've done yet on this show. Well, I'm ready to take, a, take it for a ride. What do let's, you think? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, that smells good. There is. I get absolutely vanilla butterscotch on the nose. Uh, on the on the taste, the butterscotch is is fairly heavy. You get a little bit of rye spice out of that. Too. There's definitely some rye in there. It is spicy. Uh, first, I thought that was the the alcohol, but no, it's. I don't know if it's real high rye in their mash bill. I didn't look. 
I'm guessing maybe 15-20%. Now, you mentioned earlier it has some kind of a fruity taste to it, right? There is a little bit of dark fruit. What I get is, we figured we hashed it out for a little while. I get red vines. like Red vines. Like, uh, okay. Red vine Twizzlers, that kind of thing. Just right there on the finish. Very subtle. Mm-hmm. Very subtle. Which I'm glad of because I don't care for those. Well, all right, now that we've taken this one for a drive, um, what would you rate that? Would you call that the best whiskey in the world? My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America Podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War. Who was this enemy of the United States? He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Well, you know what? One to five. One to five. I'd give it a 4.7. 4.7. So it's getting close. I think that's probably one of the highest ones we've rated, isn't it? Uh, It's... I, I definitely put it on par with the, uh, oh, what did we do last time? The, uh, I just lost it. Oh, me too. The, <laughs> uh, the Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. I oh, yeah. And we couldn't, we couldn't find that rare. stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why we couldn't remember it. Well, you won't be able to find it Because it's so week. rare. It yeah. doesn't even stick in your head. Once once word gets out, you won't be able to find this in, in Well, to tell you the truth, when I went down to, uh, to get a bottle of this, this was the only bottle on the shelf. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So I imagine it's going pretty quick. Mm. All right. You know, whiskey was a popular beverage back in 1872. And was indeed. And especially among the buffalo hunters and uh, soldiers in this area. Uh, The only place to buy whiskey in 1872, early 1872, to around June was at Fort Dodge. Was at Fort Dodge. It It was the only supply depot in the area but the only place was at the Sutler store right. that's what I understand and in June of 1872 uh, 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 Colonel Richard Dodge mm-hmm. arrives on the fort and of course he wanted to set in law and order because he was hearing some bad rumors about the fort and how drunk all his soldiers were in fact well, some of the horses some of the soldiers tried to get on the horses and they were so drunk they'd fall off. They couldn't even get in formation. It, it was bad. Uh, well, that's the only leisure activity that they had. I mean, you had a, a billiards table there in the, the settler's store, but I, everybody p- plays pool better when they're drinking. So they, they primarily, though, just sold to the officers, right? Legally, legally, they sold to the officers, right. and then, the, then they would. There were times where they opened it up to. Yeah, the buffalo hunters would staff. come in sometimes and right. get a drink or mm-hmm. two. But you know, there's there's a, a background story here that a lot of people don't realize. 
what really happened in June of 1872 with liquor, liquor sales. And there was a guy by the name of Lieutenant it was Ed Turner. Turner. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about his story and how that story then becomes a catalyst to the fate of whiskey sales on the fort. Well, Ed Turner, he was a, uh, I think he was a second lieutenant, actually, fairly recently promoted, still on good terms. He was, not that long in the past, he'd been just a private soldier, still on great terms with the man under his command. Uh, fraternization was still going on, even though it really shouldn't have been. Uh, and of course, Colonel Dodge, he was a stickler for military etiquette. He already frowned on such things. But he gave uh, Lieutenant Turner a job to do. He had to go down to Camp Supply yep. and escort another officer back to the post at Fort Dodge. And during that trip, by, by the time they got back to Fort Dodge, Turner was nine and a half sheets to the wind. Uh, he was gone. Uh, so drunk that their, their wagons and everything got caught up in the river and he just they bogged down, he just left them there, left them in the river, went on into Fort Dodge, kept drinking. And he didn't really know how to treat his mules because he left his mules and his wagon in the Arkansas River. Yeah. And just walked yeah, away Livestock and everything, just, just left. Headed to the settler store to finish off some mm -hmm. drinks. So what happened there? Well, he got there and got fairly belligerent, loud, uh, hopped up on his horse, started riding around, shooting bullets at everything that caught his eye. He rode right into the billiard hall. He tried riding right into uh, uh, Mr. Wright's personal house. Now, this is an officer and a gentleman. This is an officer. Well, he was an officer. It okay. was supposed to be a gentleman, right. but he clearly wasn't. Well, not riding his horse and, and shooting bullets. And he wrote it into Robert Wright's house. He's own right. house. Yeah. Wrote the horse around. Colonel Dodge, he, he comes out to take personal charge of the situation, tries reasoning with Lieutenant Turner, and he threatens him with arrest. Uh, Turner says, you would want army, basically. Uh, not realizing the army he was in is the one that was going to arrest him. Uh, not that intelligent when you're when that's you're not he might have got a hold of some that's, bad liquor too uh, we don't well, that's true. we don't know snake eye instead of uh he was yeah, just gone wow uh finally actually started throwing down fisticuffs on colonel dodge Ooh. dodge is he's a big guy mm -hmm. i've seen photographs of him he's a big man very strong and in dodge's own words he said when i when i finally had enough punches that that he felt that he had any right to take. Mm -hmm. he, he just, he grabbed a pool cue and broke it right over Lieutenant Turner, knocked him out, and they clapped him in irons and had him arrested. And at this point, there had been enough incidents of drunken behavior that Dodge draws the line. He says, we're done. Closes. Oh, this is, this is the, the line in the sand, right? right? Yeah. And he closes down. They, and they had closed it, uh, closed the liquor sales, the bar there, the settler store for several times for various reasons prior to this. But at this point, Dodge is just done. There, there's two lawless, eliminate the X Factor, X Factor being the liquor, we're done, the bar's closed, no more. All right, well, now, there's no more liquor in the area. So what happens? 
Uh, Luckily, there's a lot of people just disappointed. Luck, oh, yeah. Because oh, immediately you had a whole lot of freighters. You had a whole lot of soldiers, mm -hmm. certainly. Had a whole lot of buffalo hunters. Right. And in the very near future, you were going to have a whole lot of railroad workers that all wanted to do a whole lot of drinking. That's true, because in June of 1872, the Santa Fe Railroad was headed that direction. Oh, it was well into Kansas. It was on its way to to the site. They and knew it, it was coming. And it became dry. Mm -hmm. No, no whiskey. Wow. So the... Uh, he was it, a popular guy, right? This Colonel Dodge. <laughs> Well, he was a okay, good yeah. man, good fantastic man. soldier. Just cut off the whiskey and made him even more popular. And, yeah. Okay. Luckily for him, well, right. luckily for us, I'll say it that way, mm -hmm. there was an enterprising 24-year-old Canadian immigrant by the name of George Merritt Hoover. Okay. And Mr. Hoover, being the enterprising man that he was, entrepreneur, he got himself his wagon and headed east. All right. He... he Got to I, I can't remember where it was. It wasn't Wichita. You go all the way back to Kansas, Kansas City. City. You, you go all the way back to Kansas, Kansas City. City in a wagon. Yeah, because Wichita was too new. It didn't right. have any uh, right. record. Yeah, he went all the way back to Kansas City. Bought everything that he could, alcohol related, and brought it back to Fort Dodge. And knowing that the military reservation at that time was five miles in every direction from the post itself. He went to the center of the fort and measured off what he did. He tied a rag to the rim of his wagon. Okay. And headed straight west. All right. And every time that rag hit the dirt, it left a mark. And he measured the rotations. He did the math, the circumference of the wheel, everything, and got to five miles. And when he got five miles west of the fort, he took one step over the line, dropped the end of his wagon, Started digging some sod, bit two sod planks, pulled a board off his wagon, laid it across, and opened the bar that became Dodge City. That was June the 17th, 1872. So that's when the Dodge. very first bar opened up. Mm -hmm. And Dodge City didn't exist. There was no Dodge City. No Dodge City. But there was a wagon out there. And the only other thing out there was a man who had settled a ranch, and his name was Sip. Yeah, Henry Sittler. Henry Sittler, and he was almost right there at the bank of the Arkansas River, and so happened that the buffalo hunters found out about this wagon, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you got a booming business. It, well, it didn't take long. No. Yeah, he started selling whiskey at, at 25 cents a ladle. Now, this is in June. This is in June. The railroad didn't arrive until September the 5th. So what happens after he opens this bar? Oh, it was within a week he had competition. Uh, Hoodoo Brown, he opens the bar just a couple of lots down. Uh, and then the you've got two bars in a town that doesn't quite exist yet. Yeah, nothing and, else but two bars, right? And if, if the reputation of Dodge City needs more cement than it already has, mm -hmm. the third business that opens up was a gunsmith shop. Because that's what you need in the wild woolly gotcha. open. You've got bars gotcha. and guns. That, gotcha. That's a recipe for safety. Then, Hoover was there at that time and was ready, willing, and able to do what he did. It's just, it, it's all a matter of, I, I'd almost call it fate. So fate, but there was a presence. And that mm -hmm. presence now 
we have to reestablish in history. It wasn't Turner. It wasn't Wright. It wasn't Dodge, uh, Colonel Dodge. It was Mr. Hoover. Mm-hmm. I think if that Turner hadn't been there, it would have been somebody else. Yeah, that's true. So really, with that kind of thought in mind, we have to say that thank you, Mr. George M. Hoover, mm-hmm. for being the father and the son of Dodge City. So. Now, we need to talk a little bit about Mr. Hoover and uh, what kind of contributions he made to this community um, past the liquor store. I, I would say of all of the, the legends of Dodge that we've talked about in the past, Hoover's presence is felt more today, by and large, than any of the others, as far as just economics are concerned. Okay. Uh, as Laura mentioned earlier, the Hoover Pavilion, one of the largest gathering places in Dodge City, uh, his his money helped build that. Of course, that, that and that's right out place. here, close to where he set up the first saloon, right? Yes, the uh, uh, Henry Siller, whose house mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, right? Uh, his house bordered basically the, the his property bordered on the river, which is kind of the the edge of what is today Wright Park. Right. Named in honor of Robert Wright. That was his farm originally. Uh, and the Hoover Pavilion is built right there. I mean, it's, if you superimpose two photographs of Henry Sittler's house with uh, Wright or Hoover Pavilion, uh, they'd be on the same property almost. Gotcha. Gotcha. But over the next couple of months, by the time the railroad got there and they had assured, they knew exactly where the right of way was going to be. A lot of those businesses, they started moving what became on the north side of the railroad tracks. Okay. Uh, Hoover was one of them. Uh, his uh, his building became part of the original Front Street. Okay. So you're talking about north and south of the, the tracks now. Right. So right. It, the, the whole north-south railroad tracks, mm-hmm. that started from the very beginning, gotcha. even before there was a railroad. Okay. In fact, the... The good businesses were north of the railroad tracks. The on the south side, the businesses were just as affluent, just as popular, but they had a different reputation. Gotcha. Right? And it all goes back to the very beginning. Uh, Hoover moved north of the tracks. Zimmerman moved north of the tracks in his gunsmith shop. Uh, Hoover and his partner uh, McClellan they had a not just a bar, but a liquor and beer wholesaler. Okay. Uh, by 1878, they were bringing in Anheuser beer, uh, uh, s- several whiskeys that are still around today. Did they have them big horses when they came by? I, I no, no, I can't remember when they started with the Clydesdales, uh-huh. but uh, might have been in okay. Hoover's time, but it, in, but in his later age. They, okay, but uh, they shipped most of it mm-hmm. by train. By by train, they were actually uh, instrumental in developing refrigerated rail cars, so that they could ship their beer out cold. Wow. That's that's amazing. And he also sold cigars too, didn't he? Oh, thriving cigar business. And almost as many cigars as he did. He was selling 5,000 cigars a week. Oh, why? In, <laughs> in 1880. Uh, yeah, 5,000 cigars. 5, 000, a week. Wow, that's a lot of cigars. Now the big business really gets to start to kick in, and that's going to be the cattle drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got to have law and order. So what I understand is, is that he also uh, took on some political positions. He did. Uh, he was actually the first mayor okay. of Dodge City. 
the first elected mayor. Beatty, um, Beatty was the first. Uh, Peter Bailey, uh, ba Beatty, yes, Beatty, uh, former Beatty. former sergeant uh, stationed at Fort Dodge, actually. Uh, Beatty was the first appointed mayor okay. when they were really putting together the town. Uh, Hoover was part of the Dodge City Town Committee that organized and helped to uh, turn it from just a, a boom camp into an actual city. Uh, as far as buying lots, selling them, bringing people in. Uh, he was a state legislator twice, I think, uh, four-term city mayor, uh, president of the Bank of Dodge City, which he actually started. He started the bank. He started the bank. It was a private bank. And what uh, year was that? It was 1881. It was in the 1880s. I want to say 87? 87, okay. 87, maybe. So where did they keep their money if they didn't have a bank? <laughs> Probably in Hoover's safe. So, so you, you never could rob a bank around here until 1887. That was the thing. There was never a bank robbery in Dodge City. <laughs> they would always rob the little towns on uh -huh. the outskirts. But it, it was all the Dodge City police officers that went to chase them down. Nobody, gotcha. nobody dared to rob a bank in Dodge. Right, right. Too many pistols. Right. Uh, Hoover um, was, well, that bank actually that he started... Uh, privately owned is still in existence today. Oh, Came the Bank of Dodge City, which is today Fidelity State Bank. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's still around. When I say his presence is still felt today, that's that's very true. Uh, did just about everything you could do uh, in Dodge, politically, business wise. And when it was all said and done, the man was pretty wealthy, wasn't he? He was one of the wealthiest men, certainly in Kansas. Yeah. At the time of his death. Did he ever get married? He did. Uh, he married uh, Margaret and called her Maggie uh, through her entire life. I believe, and, and I'm going to feel bad if I'm wrong, but I believe she was a former prostitute. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, uh, married. That would be bad. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Hoover going to come back and haunt you. They were, they were everywhere. <laughs> well, if he doesn't, she might. Uh, well, so many of them did. Yeah. Uh, married yeah. prostitutes, former prostitutes. Right. Uh, not anything bad on the job description. That's, that's, true. that's uh, true. They were ladies just like anybody. Had yep. to be. Uh, and very well respected, I might add. When they got married, they were married for, uh, it was fairly early on, 1876. 77, somewhere in there? Yeah, uh, was when they got married and were together for the rest of their lives. Uh, she died just uh, a couple of months before he did right. in 1914. Right. And very much in love. Uh, one of those classic stories, wow. uh, Hoover lost his life, or she lost her life, and Hoover just immediately, he took a turn for the worse. And as all of his friends gathered around, he said, well, that's, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready. Wow. I'm ready to go. Go, go meet Maggie again. Yeah. It's a great story. Uh, George M. Hoover, mm -hmm. uh, one of the legends of Dodge City. Do you want to add anything else about his life, um, Brad, before we close out tonight? One thing I've always found ironic about Mr. Hoover, despite the fact that he was the biggest liquor retailer that's right. In certainly Western Kansas, for years, right. He was a adamant supporter of the Kansas Prohibition Law of 1880. Wow. So very, 
very much on the law and order faction as opposed to the the gang that we talk about right, so often right. on the show. So uh, 1881, 1880, uh, Kansas stops is actually prohibition, and he supports it. They legally stop. Right, but it's still going on here. Oh, but, of course, of course. Yeah, but at that point in time, though, he was mm -hmm. advocating for. He, no, because he was in he was uh, very much a rule of law gotcha type person he could break it mm -hmm. but as long as the law was enforced that's fine gotcha all right well uh brad great story tonight uh george m hoover another legends of dodge city anything else you want to say brad before we close out well you should already be following us on facebook wild west podcast we've got a great page uh keep updates for all of these episodes coming out as they air do that and we have a lot of pride about this show is that we support our community and we support it in various different ways mm -hmm. uh, but we also and not only support our community but we continue to talk about the legends of dodge city so join us next time for another whiskey and westerns on wednesday brad